Time now to turn to our hand, do a bit of rugby. We've got the Rugby World Cup final, 6am local time it will be on Sunday, of course, the All Blacks up against the Springboks. Alex Thomas is a sports journalist, most recently with CNN and the BBC, covers across golf, cricket, rugby, you name it, he's got it, he's in the studio. Welcome, Alex. Lovely to be here. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, all right, you better clear up this accent, where are you from? Yeah, I'm from the UK. Okay, all, where about? All pommy bashing, gratefully received. I'll give it back as good as I get. Okay, fair enough. We've got just, nothing to crow about right now, right? I was going to say, just how are England performing in this <laughs> Cricket World Cup? But anyway, that would be a cheap shot from me, uh, which most of the listeners would expect, actually, Alex. Uh, Rugby World Cup final. Am I, st- I don't know whether I'm right in saying, okay, we got the two teams we were anticipating, or maybe there's some Irish and French fans out there going, oh, come on. And we didn't even prepare ourselves for this right now. Yeah. Um, I feel exactly the same way, really mixed about this final. You've got on paper a clash of two rugby titans, yes. the two most successful teams in yep. the competition's history. And yet you're right, I would have liked to have seen a first-time winner possible. Yeah. Uh, and certainly Ireland and France are the two kicking each other. You know, They both beat South Africa and New Zealand in the group stages and then played the other team in the yeah. quarterfinals yeah. and lost when it mattered most. And that's what it comes down to. And you look at South Africa's run in this tournament – and they've really shown that they're not anywhere near the top of any statistics yes. that you look at. Yes. But they have found a way to win by one point in the last two rounds. Great winning culture that they have too. And um, the two most successful teams in the history of the World Cup. I better get um, a, a form line out of you for this one. Just before that, we had some uh, race controversy coming out of the semi-final England versus South Africa where I've heard so many different theories hypotheses where are we at with that Alex in terms of what Rassi Erasmus said yes well I mean for me it was his tweet beforehand um, where he had a bit of a spat with a New Zealand journalist and referred to him as she yeah three three times in one social media saw that now he said later it was a typo and people said it's not his first language English um Look, I, I, I don't want to presume what his intent was. Sure. I think it's clumsy from a guy who's hugely respected for what he's done for rugby in general, and particularly for the Springboks, making it a really popular team again in South Africa. Sia Khaleesi such an inspiration. Yeah. Erasmus was the man that put him in charge. And together, the two of them have just formed this successful team. But he doesn't need to resort to things like that. Yeah. Um, and he's... I think he thinks too much about things. He gets inside his own head sometimes. Right. And he's so good at getting inside the opposition's head. I think he needs to lay off that because he's actually, he's actually tried really hard to stay away from controversy ever since his one-year ban for that you know, video rant about referee Nick Berry during the Lions tour. Uh, subsequently has withdrawn that comment that he put on Twitter as well too, has apologised for that. Yes, so deleted it. Yeah, in- interesting on that one. They are the defending champs, the Springboks, but they're the outsider for this final. Does that surprise you a little, Alex? Yeah, for me, they're not an outsider. This is right. a completely 50-50 game in, in my head. New Zealand has just started to find their good rugby again. Yep. Um, if you go to New Zealand, I have done a whole half-hour rugby special for a, a show we had on CNN. And, you know, my sister lives in Queenstown in the South Island. Right. I, I've been there a lot. But it's only when you go there and speak to the people from grassroots level right up to the top tier you understand the way they have a passion for the game in the same way as India has for cricket. Yes. Um, and actually the way South Africa does for soccer. Right. Because I was there for the 2010 World Cup and just seeing how excited that country was about having the global game in its country. But 
the All Blacks are always going to produce players of that standard. Yep. Everything ebbs and flows in sport. We know that. And we, knew, we know how long New Zealand had to wait from that 1987 World Cup win to actually get their hands on the trophy again on home soil in 2011. I was there watching at Eden Park in Auckland. Wow. Seeing teenage girls, instead of dressed up for the night clubbing, they were dressed up in their All Blacks shirts, short skirts, heels, on for a night out just to watch the final. Yeah, right. You wouldn't get teenage girls in any other country nah. tuning into the rugby union. Nah. Um, and that was colossal for them. So, you know, they're playing the attacking rugby. They're scoring the points. Um, if I, I think the final will be exciting if New Zealand get ahead and South Africa have to chase the game. Right. If South Africa close New Zealand down early on and they get frustrated, it could be a bit of a snooze fest. But I, but I think they, it's just going to be a, you know, there's still two great rugby playing nations. The atmosphere will still be incredible. Score prediction? I think it's going to be a narrow New Zealand win, 15-10. Ooh, 15-10, uh, low scoring one. What about the news coming out uh, over the last couple of days about, uh, and we all look at the seedings that took place and we realise that there was a weak side of the draw. Don't worry, the Wallabies couldn't exploit that. But anyway, uh, and and we're looking at a revamp of it, 20 to 24 teams, six pools, uh, et cetera. It feels fairer, but it's also an expansion which brings in Canada and in particular the United States. What have you made of that from uh, World Rugby? I think it's good and I think it's long overdue. I had lots of conversations with the former World Rugby CEO, a guy called Brett Gosper. Yeah, Aussie. Who's an Aussie. Yeah. Um, didn't play at international level, played at club level in France, but he was a business guy, a marketing guy, really smart, really savvy. I think he struggled with the old Blazer Brigade you get Ooh. in rugby union still. And he tried to drag the organization into the, you know, the modern times. Um, he's now moved to NFL Europe. Wow. And I think he probably got a bit frustrated with this lack of a move towards a new international calendar. Um, and they've finally done it. Um, Alan Gilpin's the new CEO. He's a, an English guy who's very quiet and nice. I was worried he'd be a bit too nice and not get the job done, but yep. he's obviously helped get this over the line. Um, rugby needs to grow. And we've had, this, we've had this chat with soccer too when FIFA expanded its World Cups. Yes. And we get to fully see how that's going to turn out because it's getting even bigger in the years ahead. Um, but I still like bringing in teams who may be below standard but haven't had the chance to play on the highest stage, they're going to get walloped, but they're going to get the experience there. Yes. And I think you grow and you change or you die. Yeah. Uh, the other part about it was for 2027, abbreviated competition, uh, as in time frame, but more games in there too, which is a recognition of, right, you know, we're, we've got to run this like a commercial entity, which they invariably do. Um, rugby is uh, international rugby. Interesting. If anyone would be open to ideas, it's the NFL, right, in Europe. So Brett's gone somewhere that I'm sure are going to be open to those sorts of things. The other part about it was the. Uh, every second year, the competition between the six Northern Hemisphere and the six Southern Hemisphere, and there's a bit of disquiet around, well, which teams are going to miss out? Uh, I love this idea. said it yesterday. I think it's sort of like Champions League for countries, for rugby. And if you want to grow your sport, and you, want to, you need to give people uh, high-quality content, and I think that's what we're going to get with that. People want to see the best yep. against the best, yep. and they want to see it more often. I think there's definite answers to be asked for when it comes to player welfare. Um, I think Rugby World Cup's got a bit of an issue long-term because of how long it takes to get through the tournament. Yes. Which goes completely anti the way all sorts of other sports are going. You know, we've talked about how will the one-day international cricket World Cup have a future because 2020 is so much popular um, than the 50-over game. 
and rugby union will have to think about that too. I followed the wor- the Sevens World Series for years. Yes. Such a great TV feast, you know, just short games. You get lots of fixtures in. They can play a whole World Cup over a weekend. And I'm not suggesting you would ditch the 15 aside game. It's still got so much merit, so much history. Um, but that's something they're going to have to ponder. But at least they've made a start. They've yeah. got some proposals. Let's put it in place. You iterate, right? As any business out there or sport yes. knows, you can't just sit there worrying, how can we make it perfect from day one? You're not going to. Give it a try. And if the next generation are used to snacking on 15-second blips coming out of TikTok, then you've got to be really clear about what your offering to them is. And look, I found it really interesting with the FIFA World Cup last year when you go, there's Lionel Messi, and you look like him in the final, and you think he's he's gone, but he's played four days earlier. And they just went, well, that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to condense our World Cup. Very difficult with a heavy contact sport like rugby union, but I'm sure they'll work through it. That It's interesting that they've done that because I feel like there's a divide between the old school uh, and the blazer brigade, as you call them, Northern Hemisphere, and a bit more of an upstart Southern Hemisphere. And, and it almost goes with the mentality as well. Is that fair comment, Alex? No, there's always been that divide, and I don't think it's narrowed very much. Right. Um, I don't know how you get around that, but I think like any sport, and it's really fascinating for me as someone newly emigrated with my Aussie wife and family to Australia, where you've got this tussle for talent, right? This is a small nation comparatively, but yep. sports mad. And you've got AFL, NRL leading the way. Soccer still played a lot, but can you transition those good kids to the senior game? And is there enough competition for them? Yeah. Um, and where's Rugby Union left? Yeah. You know, scrambling for the other kids. Um, and But that's not, they're not the only ones, right? New Zealand have got the pick of the players because they're so rugby mad. But England's got the same issue with how popular soccer is over there. Yeah. Um, and, and and it was always the richest rugby nation. They're having problems with their finances too. So, you know, France and Ireland actually heading the way. And that's probably why their national teams are doing so well. And I think it's really interesting. So we have AFL and, and AFL's, um, in many ways, the great competitor for AFL's athlete is cricket. So, so many of the AFL players are very good cricketers as juniors. Same body shape. But then you get to a point where it's like, well, there's 600 spots available there yeah. or there's 12 there or maybe 20 if you throw in the IPL and all that sort of thing. So highly competitive as well. Uh, all right. Well, welcome to Australia. Thank you. Thanks for coming in today. We do appreciate it. Now, I, I asked you earlier, I want your top five sports in order. If you wanted, if you said these are the ones I love most. I'm a golf tragic. That's number one. Right. I was a cricket mad kid. So right. Number two. Um Probably after that, rugby as well, just the way I was raised. Uh, Love football, but never went and supported a club on the terraces. Right. Any soccer fan will tell you, if you're not there, turning up <laughs> week in, week out, you can't call yourself a football a football fan. And probably fifth would be like track and field, athletics. Okay. Love the Olympics, World Athletics, Championships, all that sort of stuff. All right. Uh, Favourite cricketer growing up? Oh, man. Do you know, I loved David Gower. Oh, yeah. You're left-hander? Left-hander. I'm not a left-hander, but right. my dad was. He said, okay. why weren't you? Come on. <laughs> yes. What happened to your genes? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a left-hander. I used to love watching okay. David Gower, but very elegant. Very elegant. Um, and favorite golfer? Nick Faldo. Yeah, right. Yeah. Bit of a yeah. beep. We don't want to mention that. <laughs> but so. he single-minded champion mindset. Yeah. Just on that, while we got you, and, and across Live Golf and PGA Tour and and – 
where are when are they coming together? They've said yes, we're coming together. It feels like they're as far apart as they've ever been. It's really perplexing. I was at the first ever live golf event in in England, right? And it was fascinating to see how quickly they got that event together. Even like a couple of weeks beforehand, right? The press officers, everyone charged with putting a tournament on, weren't quite sure they could press the go button. They did it amazingly well. I still like them as an industry disruptor, and this is someone that loves the history of golf. Yes. As far as I know, the deal is still going on with the PGA Tour behind closed doors. Whether it's going to mean Live survives or it's just going to turn into a financial investment and Saudi getting their claws into another market, we're yet to find out. I think it's a big blow that they didn't get official world golf ranking points. That decision took far too long to make. I still don't understand it. I know they don't meet the criteria, but the criteria was just plucked out of thin air in the first place. It's a flexible thing. You can choose to do it. Major golf championships want the best players there, and there's no doubt that some of the best players on the planet are at live. Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, these players should be at all the big events. And we've been championing uh, live golf here on this program over the last couple of years. And, of course, Adelaide hosted... The best golf event in the year. I saw of the, the video. Year. I was yeah. really impressed. And of course, you know, Aussie golf fans are desperate for those big name players to come Love here. Love them coming here. And been starved of that for far too long. Alex Thomas is a former CNN, BBC uh, sports journalist. Now in Australia, we welcome you, as I said, uh, and enjoy it. I'm sure we'll have you back. Appreciate it. Loved it.